Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. This sermon is entitled, There Must Be a Heaven Somewhere, and is preached by the late Reverend Lawrence B. Hicks. I trust you enjoy today's message. The message that I'm going to bring tonight has been published and gone around the world, I guess, and especially across America in various places, and uh, I've never quite felt as free preaching it since it went in print as I did otherwise. But I wanted to preach it tonight, and I trust that God will make it a blessing to your heart and mine and to many people out there in the future somewhere. But it certainly was a message that God gave me a number of years ago, and he has signally honored it in various places across the country. Now for the message of the evening. Our scripture reading is taken from the first three verses of the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The title assigned to the message, I believe by the Lord, there must be a heaven somewhere. Down across the days and the years of my ministry, I had longed for and sought for a message on heaven. I had heard the old preachers say that they, when they were boys, had heard preachers preach on hell till they were afraid to go there and preach on heaven till they wanted to go there. But somehow a message on heaven had eluded my grip. I could preach messages that were scientific and I could tell the length of the city, the breadth of it, and the height of it, and the square miles in it. I could analyze by using the commentaries the various foundation stones beneath the jasper walls. I could uh, tell about the gates, four of them on every side, many things about heaven, but it grew technical and did not have what I felt a message on heaven ought to have. Until one morning, seated at the breakfast room table, Mrs. Hicks and the girls preparing for church, for it was on a Sunday morning, with an old envelope laying in front of me and a lead pencil, the Holy Spirit seemed to say to my heart, I'm going to give you that message on heaven you've been longing for so long. I took the seven points of it down in lead pencil, went to the pulpit that morning and delivered the message. The message was broadcast that morning and the people of the city heard it. The next day on the street and in business establishments, they said, are you the new preacher in the church at a certain location? I heard you preach yesterday on heaven and it thrilled my heart. Some of them had warm tears coursing down their cheeks as they listened to the message. It was not mine, it was the message the Holy Ghost had given. It's not mine tonight, it's still his. For 27 years ago, when I started out on that trek toward heaven, I knew there was a heaven somewhere. My hungry heart had longed for it since a little lad. I'd wanted it. Insecurity and being in a home without a mother, 
I wanted a place where there would be warmth and beauty, where there'd be lastingness and no tears, where heartaches would be forever banished and where suffering would be done away. Though I had a good home in grandmother's old home back in Williamson County of this lovely state, it was something lacking because of a mother's love and I longed for heaven since as far back as I can remember. There are seven things about heaven that intrigue me tonight. Number one, heaven will be ready. Number two, heaven will be resplendent. Number three, heaven will be rapture. Number four, heaven will be restoration. Number five, heaven will be real. Number six, heaven will be reunion. And number seven, heaven will be right. Those lines in that outline <clears throat> the Holy Ghost gave me. To begin with, heaven will be ready. Thank God for that. There'll be no loitering outside the gate, no waiting for an admittance to gain. For everything, there will be ready. There'll be no lack. There'll be no longing. There'll be no leaving. Once inside those gates of pearl, we'll be worth everything. And God will be able to give us everything our hearts have longed for, our desire is reached for, our tears have wept for. God's going to make it real in heaven. There'll be no lack of fruit on the tree of life. There'll be plenty of leaves shed from its branches. There'll be no dearth of water as it gurgles down the beautiful braes of heaven, cascading from beneath the white throne of Almighty God. There'll be no lack of room along the glassy sea commingled with fire, while an angelic choir sings an hallelujah anthem to Moses and the Lamb. There'll be nothing warning when old Zion swings round the sheltered cove and nudges her figurehead against the golden bejeweled wafts of that fair land. When the gangplank drops down and the redeemed of all ages stream down it to be welcomed by heaven's glorious welcoming committee, there'll be nothing warning, nothing lacking, no evictions to make, no rent to pay, there'll be nothing to do but walk inside a mansion on Hallelujah Avenue that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. St. Stephen got a glimpse of that when on the streets of Jerusalem and as he witnessed to the Sanhedrin, the people became so incensed they ran on him and gnashed on him with their teeth and stoned him but while his bones break and the skin tore apart and the bruises mounted till his body was a bleak bleeding, beaten whale, he looked up and said, I see heaven open, and I see Jesus on the right hand of God. Thank God there is a lovely land, a sinless summer land of the soul, where there will be everything correct, and no waiting, no wanting, no longing, no desire, but everything will be real, for Jesus certainly will be there. When my mother was dying 50 years ago this past February, she said to my father, don't you see that lovely end of the room crowded with angels, my father in it, where he'd gone when I was a little girl, 12 years of age. They've come to beckon me home and I'm going home to be with God. I was seated in the study one morning in Chattanooga, Tennessee. A telephone rang and said, won't you come? My next door neighbor's just died. I got in my automobile and ran a red light at a corner of a street not far from here and rushed down into that home, parked my car, walked on the inside, and one of the board members of Chattanooga First Church was seated inside the bedroom. He was weeping, hand in the air, saying, Praise God. I went inside the room, the neighbor lady standing by the bed, the sheet already drawn up, covering the cold form of a dead woman. He looked up at me with tears trickling down his cheeks and a radiancy that outshone the sun, and said, Brother Hicks, you just missed it. 
I said, missed what? He said, her home going. He said, about 30 minutes ago, she said to me, come here, honey. Don't you see that lovely stairway in the end of that room? There are angels going up and coming down it. And our little girl that slipped away when she was a tiny little thing is standing there, a beautiful creature, beckoning me, and I'm going for Jesus is right above it. And there's the wave of his hand. Can't you see it? The husband said, no, I can't see it. But she said, they're there. Can't you see it? And then with a last sigh, she closed her lids and slipped away into that lovely land that we call heaven. What I'm trying to say is heaven will be ready. And if you were to die tonight, it would cause no consternation there. You'd suddenly and certainly go there if you're right. And a resurrection robe to fit you is tailored already. And waiting for you in a vault where the moths can never corrupt. And in a land where thieves break not in to steal. Heaven will be ready. Number two, heaven will be resplendent. I've seen some of the beauties of landscape and the loveliness of nature. I've seen the tall crags of Kentucky's mountain poke themselves with their angry fist against the breast of the storm cloud. I've seen them pluck the thunderbolts from among them and fling them down the ravines while sparks of lightning danced asunder and the reverberation of a million cannons rattled off the hillsides of the old bluegrass state. I've seen the snow fall in Kansas. I've seen the maples shaken in New England. I've seen the rolling ocean driven by a wild rain of a hurricane. I've seen the lovely beauty of the flowers. I've walked and stolen a kiss from the wild rose that blushed by a Tennessee roadside in June. I have seen the beauty of the daisies tagging down the green carpets of Tennessee's hillsides. I have seen the loveliness of the mountains covered with snow while every spruce pine turned to a Christmas tree and draped itself with icicles mirrored in the starlight around it. I have seen the beauties of, of the land and I have seen the beauties of the nature. But the greatest thing of all once inside those gates of pearl with solid golden streets stretching out and long shining avenues of pure gold and beauty in a city not made with hands heaven will be resplendent beyond anything that anyone has ever known in the days gone by down the aisle of this church and many another I've seen the trailed bride walk with all her glory a beautiful blush on her cheeks as she met the man of her choice at an altar and I the minister performed the marriage ceremony and called them man and wife together I've seen her walk away on a nuptial leave to form a brand new home with a blush and beauty about her, for she'll never be quite so radiant and quite so beautiful as that night she claimed for her own the young man that had wooed and won her heart. But just you wait till the trumpets sing reverie in the bivouac of the dead, and our redeemed saints stream in to join the bride in the sky, and the marriage supper spread out, and the Lord Jesus Christ comes as the everlasting bridegroom. There will be beauty on that day, while gurgling waters cascade down the green hillsides of paradise, and while a great hallelujah throng of angels sing an anthem that will stir the very welkin of heaven itself. There, beloved, will be resplendent and glory, and everything lovely will be there. I've walked over the flinty paving stones of a British city. I've walked on the dirty paving stones of a southern town. I've stumbled along the dusty road in the hot dirt of the summertime. I've trudged the weary road to school as a little lad in the snow in the winter. And I've been tired, and it's all been difficult along the way. But just over yonder, just in the other world, in a land we call Glory Land, 
There'll be no dirt, no filth, nothing to mar, no graves on the hillsides, no crepe on the door. But in that land there will be shining resplendence. It's not a city with streets paved with gold, no need to economize there. But it is a city of solid gold streets and tall jasper walls and a shining city like a great pearl set in an emerald cutting there forever with the glory of God around it. Heaven will be resplendent and I want to see what heaven is going to be like. The third thing about heaven is it's going to be rapture. We use that word rapture to express the deepest passions of a blessed heart. Once delivered by the other side of the article of death, once beyond the last struggle of the death rattle, once beyond the bluing fingernails and the coagulation of the blood, once beyond the halting breath, once beyond the sticking pang of pain, once beyond it all, there will be rapture, rapture indeed. I'm talking about that homecoming morning when God's saints shall stream inside and stack their crosses on the parade grounds of glory and walk them down and form in line while the great captain of our salvation shall give us each a glittering crown. Heaven is going to be a raptured place indeed. Rest and I, our soul shall need it. Sit down for an air and a two till the Lord of all good workmen shall set us to work anew. I'm looking for that day of rest, the last camp meeting sermon preached, the last call made in a hospital, the last pastoral message delivered, the last class taught, the last marriage ceremony said, the last requiem rites of a funeral done, the last sprinkling of the dirt on a grave, the last sorrows, and I shall rest at the close of a day. And I'm looking for that kind of a land where there will be rest. As a poor lad in the hills of Tennessee, I worked in the tobacco fields all day from early sun till late at night. The dew and the tobacco gum commingling on my overalls till they'd almost stand alone. I walked a mile and a half and two miles home from the field when I'd come round the hill and see the old southern home nestle like a jewel on the green banks of two big hills that came down falling and forming an indenture and a hollow. Tall cedar trees that in my childish fancy seemed to reach their green fingers. The scrape of a bit of the ultramarine from the skies stood like starry sentinels in front of that home. I'd see a yellow flickering light in the window. I'd know my old, ma old aunt had a lovely meal ready. There'd be beans with potatoes cooked on top of them and okra lying on them. There would be also butter as liquid gold oozing down through southern corn muffins. There'd be fried meat with an aroma kin to something from another world. There'd be a cold glass of buttermilk from the old spring. And I'd go in and eat my fill and go upstairs and stretch out as a country boy ought on a bed beneath the rafters that he could look up. While in the tall cedar tree, a big mockingbird riding the topmost twig would sing a love carol till the midnight hours shut his voice to a mate resting on brown eggs beneath him. I've dreamed of that home many a time in the years gone by. It's lost its we loveliness, weather-beaten boards hang on the walls. But just over yonder when the last battle's fought and the last sermon's preached and the last farewell is said, I shall rest in heaven forever. There is going to be a marriage supper when I turn the last bend in the road and see the lights of heaven gleaming. I shall know and know forever that there is rest at the end of the road. I'm anticipating the day of caroling sweeter than a southern mockingbird. I'm anticipating a caroling group of angels that sing till they burst the alabaster walls around. And that will be heaven. It will be rapture indeed. 
I want to meet people there. I want to meet that old preacher that buried me in baptism in Old Leapers Fort Creek when I was a little lad. I want to meet that old preacher that preached me under conviction by the wonderful work of God. I'd like to meet all the penitents I've seen praying through across an old-fashioned Methodist and Nazarene mourner's bench. I'd like to shake hands with Dr. Henry Clay Morrison and a lot of the others I've known in other days. But when I've seen Jesus and praised him for a million years, I want to hunt my mother that slept beneath the silent sod of a Tennessee hillside for 15 long years now. The winter snows have spread a white canopy over her. The violets have knotted their gold, their purple heads in springtime. The beechen buds have burst out into life and died in their crimson caskets in the fall. But on that morning when that trumpet shall sound and the tombstones roll asunder, my mother dressed in a resurrection robe will be there and I want to shake hands with her. I stood in grandmother's old parlor, looked at the gilded frame, the chestnut hair, the arching neck, the big blue eyes. I've longed with an ache, a close to pain in my heart, saying, I wish you could come alive and come down from that canvas. Place your hands on me like other little boys' mothers do when they hurt themselves and stub their toe and sob themselves to sleep. A picture never moved, but God has prepared a better thing for me in that lovely, sinless summerland of the soul where heartache and dropsy and awful disease like she had will never trouble her again. I shall meet her, and heaven will be rapture when a motherless boy meets his mother. I never am under the influence of the Holy Ghost like I feel tonight that I wouldn't like to tell the angels when you waft yourself like plummeting meteors in reverse back to heaven to report on this service tonight, would you tell my mother that her prayer was answered and God made a holiness preacher out of her lad and that he's preaching second blessing holiness until God calls him home? That shall be my theme, God letting me live, and I'd like to turn my hospital bed to a pulpit to tell men and women of the saving, sanctifying grace of a great God whose blood can cleanse from every sin. The fourth thing about heaven, it will be restoration. I stood by a city street. The kids were playing hopscots along it. They had their planks laid out. They were jumping with a long stride. But leaning dejectedly with a wanton look in his eye was a little lad. There were braces on the side of his feet. There was a crutch under either arm. He'd been stricken by paralysis. He'd never been able to play hopscotch with the rest of them. I amused as I looked on him and thought of that next land where if he lived right and made it home to heaven that God Almighty would give him silver sticks on golden pavements and let him enjoy the things there denied him down here. I tell you, heaven will be restoration. There'll be no tap of a cane. There'll be no crunch of a crutch. There'll be no tears to stain and tarnish those golden streets. Never a sigh will be heard. There'll only be joy and victory, for heaven will be restoration forever. I saw her walk across a platform with a halting step dragging a wearied, perished limb. She put her hands out and they slipped an accordion over her shoulders. She adjusted the straps and brought the big instrument out as she pulled every muscle in her tired body and sang like an angel of my ivory palace home. I sat with the hot tears trickling down my cheeks and thought about her. There'll be a day when there'll not be a withered limb and she'll not have an old accordion or a concertina 
But she'll have a harp perhaps with a thousand strings on the hillsides of glory and can really sing with the model fingers turned loose by the touch of the master musician. It'll be a wonderful thing when we all get to heaven and find a restoration there. I was called one day to visit the father of the holiness movement in eastern Kentucky, W.W. Hankus. I remember going inside his room. He was lying in a coma. His wife, a holiness preacher, said last Sunday morning, Brother Hicks, after he'd lain here for weeks not knowing a thing in the world, about 11 o'clock he seemed to regain a measure of consciousness. He said, Mother, it's time for me to preach and I better go to the pulpit. There in his delirium he quoted a text and for one hour she said, I never heard such a message on holiness pour from the lips of a man as came from that delirious old holiness preacher. I stood beside his bed and said, Brother Hankers, like turning a light bulb on, he came to consciousness. He said, Brother Hicks, you come. You remember that day in your study a year ago when I came to you? The day and asked you to preach my funeral sermon. I've walked in the grace of God successfully, and I've made it in, and a few days from now, I'll go to heaven. They rolled his casket down in front of the pulpit of First Church of the Nazarene in Ashland, Kentucky. And amid the flowers and the sobs of the people, I had the glorious privilege of preaching the last rites for a holiness preacher that had died with a testimony that everything's clear, the semaphores are all green, and heaven's gates are open, and I'm on my way in. Heaven will be restoration, where every wrong will be righted, where God Almighty will be in his splendor, and where crooked limbs will be straightened, sight will be given to blinded eyes, the stammering tongue shall be leased forever, and we shall be there. I've never been able to get all the preaching out of me that God put in me when he called me to preach, but if I ever get to heaven and walk down those glorious avenues and they give me a chance to preach, maybe I can get it out then in the language that will be immortal and language that can describe the realities of divine grace. It's not make-believe, it's a real thing. And I'm anticipating a glorious real heaven. That brings me next to this idea. Heaven not only will be ready and resplendent and rapturous and a restoration city, but heaven will be real, R-E-A-L, real. I do not share the idea that heaven is a state. To me, it's a geographically located place in divine geography and can be found out there in the universe. I'm looking for a real heaven. When I was a little lad reared up back in the hills, I could only hear the train whistle too far to hear the bell. I heard the mighty chug of the big moguls as they shot their pistons full of steam. I heard the rattle of the freight wheels on a lonely winter night when the air was crisp and cold. Up by the old spring there was a tree with a seat in it that I made like was a locomotive. I rang the bell and blew the whistle and pulled the throttle and drew in imagination across the prairies and around the defiles of the mountain a long sweeping passenger train as it rolled in toward a big city. But when I became a man and became an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene, living in Tullahoma, Tennessee, one afternoon about dark, Mrs. Hicks rolled me down to the railroad station. The big Dixie Flagler with two big steam engines tied onto her came in with a hiss of steam and a grind of brake and a floor of sparks. I stepped on and no sooner had taken my seat 
Then I felt the surge of power as she made for the mountains. Soon she climbed them and buried herself in a dark tunnel. She shot across the mountain and by Chattanooga and swept by Atlanta and headed for the Southland where the palm trees stretch out like a maiden drying her hair in the wind. I felt the surge of power as a great iron hoops caught the silver rails and we swept across Georgia's flatlands. It wasn't make-believe. I wasn't playing train that night. It was real, and I was riding on the Dixie Flagler for Miami and a revival campaign. I saw the first aeroplane as a little boy that I ever saw high in the air. My cousins and I made us one on the ground and tried to pretend we were flying, but one night I walked down the long runway at Long Beach, California, and boarded a big four-motor giant. I tightened my seat belts in the silver moon of California, cast a glint across her big silver wings. She ran down the ramp and preened those wings in the night air. She rolled with a jet of flame from her big motors. Soon she flew high over the Salton Sea and disappeared across the deserts of Arizona and New Mexico and the next morning dropped down in a Texas town and thence on to Nashville and Chattanooga. It wasn't make-believe I was flying that day. Once inside those gates of pearl, heaven will not be make-believe, but it will be real as a train ride and also as an aeroplane ride. Rid back away from the water, I got a string and a hook and pretended I was fishing in the horse trough and catching big fish, but never caught one, for there were none there to catch. But one day out in the blue gulf of Mexico, the guide said, let your lines out, and we were trawling. 150 feet of those long sea lines went out. Suddenly there was a jerk and a pull, and a blue bonita, like a flash of blue flame, leaped out of the sea. I had caught a big bonita. I reeled him in as he dashed and plunged and turned and and fought to save his life. It wasn't make-believe I was fishing that morning. And when my feet walked down the golden streets, I'll not be dreaming, it'll not be make-believe, it will be real, and heaven will be wonderful on that grand day. I'm looking for a real heaven, and this thing called holiness is a little heaven to go to a big heaven in. Next thing about heaven, it's going to be reunion. I suppose most of us look forward toward homecomings, Rather sad for those of us whose hair's turning a bit to silver, for faces we once loved are gone forever. On the front seats of this church, people who shouted me on in other days are now praising God in heaven. It's going to be wonderful to meet Brother Crow, and going to be wonderful to meet several of those people that have gone on. I buried lots of them, but I remember walking down the aisle one day in a little Methodist church. An old man who'd lost a government job from drinking and sin stood gripping the back of a seat under deep conviction. I slipped my arm around him and said, Charlie, don't you want to come back to Jesus today and find the Redeemer? Sobbing, he walked his way to a mourner's bench and got out on his knees and prayed clear through and God gloriously saved him. It was two o'clock in the morning and they said, they need you down there. I went down and found him cold in death. His big teenage son at 18 stood by the casket, tears running down looked up wistfully at me and I said, Con, your daddy was a good man. He got back to God and I saw him living under pressure. He's somewhere in that lovely land. Be a good lad and you'll make it home. She said, bring me my baby around. I've gone down in the chilly valley of shadows to bring that child to life. Bring me my baby around. It hadn't lived but an hour or so. Before I went to the church to preach its funeral, they brought the little casket 
And the broken-hearted mother fingered its golden curls and kissed its blue fingers. And I turned to go away to bury it. But just over in heaven's land, there will be a reunion where mothers and babies and fathers and sons and husbands and wives and everyone will be brought together. Don't tell that mother, you'll not see your, your child alive. He died out yonder somewhere in a foreign war, lies encased in a casket of steel. But on that great and grand tomorrow, when we shall all be at home in heaven, God Almighty will see to it that there's reunion. The night I was ordained to the ministry of the Church of the Nazarene in the McClickin Auditorium of Trevecca Nazarene College by Dr. H.V. Miller, uh, Hillman Bernard sang, sang the special in his high tenor voice. As he walked to the platform, they handed him a yellow sheet. It was in the height of World War II. With trembling fingers, he broke the telegram open. His own boy had been killed in action. He put it in his pocket, didn't miss a step as he walked to the pulpit, and sang that song, We'll All Be at Home Someday. The Holy Ghost came, and Lige Weaver, who's now in heaven, ran the aisles and shouted like a wild man. I've never been in a service like that. Nobody knew the Father's heart who had read the telegram. As he sang under the unction of the Holy Ghost with tears streaming down his cheeks, we'll all be at home someday. I've buried many of the people of this city in Greenwood Memorial, the other cemeteries. I stood in Babyland in the lovely Greenwood Cemetery where the little children lie row on row. I stood on the hillside at Ashland and buried in little graves in their baby land, many a little youngster there. But there will be a Mara where there will be reunion and God will be forever right. From the hillsides of Tennessee where the bending magnolias sweep their white blossoms in the springtime, we have a little baby girl, our second one, waiting the resurrection morning. I want to live so our circle will be unbroken there for heaven will be reunion. I must close now by the climax and what I feel to be perhaps the highest point of the message, heaven will be right. Down here, not everything turns out well. One of these days, every wrong will be righted. One of these days, everything will be made correct. I remember my first trip to the Lakeland camp meeting. Brother Crow and Johnny Love and Toby Ryle and I were riding down a highway to Atlanta, Georgia, we approached through Marietta, I turned the radio button on my Pontiac. Some Atlanta radio station was broadcasting a Negro quartet. There was a Negro tenor leading in a high falsetto, trailing behind him like hounds after the fox, were a group of bass singers with a deep basso. And he led out in that tenor, there must be a heaven somewhere. We wept as we rode the roads and heard that Negro saying, it formed the message background for this tonight. There must be a heaven somewhere. He dreamed of the days of the cotton field and the slave driver's lash, but there must be a heaven somewhere where wrongs will all be righted. There's just got to be a heaven. I hope I never face a goodbye in a church again, but there's going to be a heaven somewhere. There's a city up in heaven where the streets are shining gold, and no storm clouds ever gather in the Bible, we are told. There the skies are clear forever. They need no sun to shine in that land of wondrous beauty governed by the Lord divine. Every heartache, gloom, or shatter is forever done away. 
Perfect peace and joy and gladness are the order of the day. Every mystery there will vanish and no tears shall dim the eye in that blessed land supernal where no clouds will hide the sky. Let's keep on looking unto Jesus with our hearts set for that goal where no storms of doubt or worry ever beat against the soul. If to God we are true and faithful, if we strive to make the grave, we shall reach that home eternal where the roses never fade. May I welcome you one day, my flock, inside the portals of heaven. I'm not only a pastor but an evangelist. I close this message tonight with an appeal to your heart. Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready for heaven wherever you are in the days to come if you hear this by recording? Are you ready for heaven? If you aren't, there's just one way to get ready. Repent of your sins. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his grace and blood will cleanse you from every sin. Heavenly Father, we ask thee tonight, since thou hast been here in thy glory, place thy hand on the message and let the will of God be done in the salvation of the sanctification of some soul, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855, USA. I don't want to lose the